This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Backpacking Podcast, where the only thing redder than Jeremiah's beard is my face when he talks about his college stories. Uh, (laughs) He's crazy. Today we're going to uh, interview somebody. It's our first ever phone interview. Yeah, not in person. Yeah, this is the first time this has ever happened. And uh, this is someone we're excited to interview. This is a guy when I started looking into backpacking back in 2016, uh, he was a guy that I probably binge watched every video he made and actually bought gear based on his recommendations, uh, did a lot of things because of that. And I think, Jeremiah, you said you were kind of in the same boat with that. Yeah, I think uh, one of the first people I ever watched. Yeah. So we're kind of excited to welcome Darwin to the podcast. How you doing, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going, it going good. That's some nice, that was a nice little intro. Like <gasps> Appreciate it. You, got, you made me blush a little bit on this side of the phone. Well, that was what I was hoping for. I was, I was hoping, can we make Darwin blush? That was kind now, of the goal. Now I'm, now I'm just about as red as, as uh, Jeremiah's beard. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Jeremiah's beard, it's red. So, so man, we're, we're glad to have you on here today. And I think, yeah. I think we, just talk, we just talked a little bit before the podcast. And one of the things that we want to do today is just be an encouragement to backpackers. Because it mm. is a tough time right now. Yeah, it's a weird one, right? Yeah, it definitely is. So instead of getting focused on a disease and a virus and all this kind of stuff, we want to focus a little bit more on the important things of backpacking. And the first thing we want to talk about is the fact that you and Jeremiah both have way better beard game than I do. Oh, <laughs> um, don't cheat yourself. You need to step that game up. So. I'll tell you, man. I, you guys, I see those beards and I'm just like, man, I got work to do. You guys, right you guys got it going on. Time, though, right? Like you, you can like now's the time to grow the quarantine beard. Like you just let it rip and let it get nasty and weird and yeah. Yeah, it looked like some guy who's been stuck in a bunker for twenty five years or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically what I look like. The secret to a good beard, you know what it is? You just don't shave. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Basically. Darwin, let yeah, me I ask you shaved, something. I haven't shaved since two thousand fourteen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? That's I'm, impressive. I think I'm going on like eight months now. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll trim it up. Like I'll trim the ends of it up to kill like, you know, cause you want to do a little bit of manscaping, right? You want to make it look a little healthy. You don't want to look like you were sleeping in a bunker for 25 years. But, <laughs> That's the truth. You know, That's the truth. <laughs> you, you, I, yeah. I haven't actually seen my face, uh, since August. Yeah. I'll give you an exact date. August 24th. How do you know that? 2014. I know that because, um, I raced, uh, triathlon semi-professionally, um, wow. for eight years and, I used to just rock this little bitty skinny goatee back when I raced. It was the only facial hair I ever had. I never had a beard, a full-on beard. And um, the the last race that I did, my retirement race, was August 24th, 2017. And that morning, I woke up and, you know, I, I, I shaved. I trimmed my face, just kept the little goatee. And then I decided, since that was my last race, um, and, you know, I was getting into backpacking, spending more time in the outdoors, wanted to, I guess, tap into my more you know, rustic manliness. Um, <laughs> I decided that that was going to be the last time I shaved my face. So I actually know the exact date. <laughs> and you're never going to shave again ever. Um, I don't know, man. I take a lot of pride in being a, a bearded gentleman. So, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I've, 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 uh, kind of reinvented myself quite a handful of times throughout my life. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I know you get tattoos for all of the uh, trails you go on. Are you going to get a tattoo for that date when you decided to not shave your face ever again? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea, man. Get like a, Maybe I'll maybe I'll just get a beard tattooed onto my face. Ooh. Oh, to, oh, good stuff, right? Yeah, but you'd have to shave it to do that, that, wouldn't you? Oh, I don't know if I'd want to do that. that defeats the purpose. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful beard. Yeah. You don't want to get rid of that, man. That's true. That's true. Speaking of tattoos, like I did the Vermont Long Trail last year, and I was like, I I never had a tattoo, and my family's pretty traditional, so like yeah, yeah. tattoos are were almost a taboo, and. Yeah. I was like, I got done with the long trail and that took me like a month. And I was like, man, this is amazing. I want to document this. And my idea was to get the outline of the state of Vermont with the trail nice. like tattooed in it. And then maybe some uh, like peaks on there, some really good memories and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I keep having an, argue, an argument with my friends. Like, where <laughs> do you get it tattooed? And everybody's like, on your calf, on your calf. And I'm like, I, I think it looks super cool on the forearm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, wherever, wherever you want to wear it best, man, it's, it's weird. I, I wasn't a big tattoo guy for a long time. Um, and I, I kind of got some of my first tattoos, some that most people have never seen. So my first tattoos are, um, on my shoulder blades and on my back. Um, and nobody ever gets to see those. Right. So whenever I first started getting tattoos, I just wanted them for me. It was all about like, well, I'm getting this for me and like, I don't want anyone else to see it. Um, and then, yeah, it's, you know, tattooing is kind of like an addiction. Like once you get one, then you want another one. And then, and then after a while, like it just becomes like normal. It's like going to buy a new shirt. Yep. You're (laughs) right about that. Like, it's time for a new shirt. And you know, you go get the new tattoo. And for me, it's always been, uh, things that are, you know, there's a lot of people that will get kind of like all the hikes that they do on their legs and, and a lot of tattoos representing a lot of things, but all of mine all hold a very significant time. So, you know, like I have the the AT tattoo on my leg, um, on my calf, and the PCT and the Arizona Trail. Um, but the reason I have those isn't because I completed the trail. The reason I have those those that ink is is because um, my life changed whenever I was on those trails. Like I, I have some very big moments in my life that happened that came from those trails uh, that came from the last five years. So basically every piece of ink that I have represents something, some sort of turning point in my life um, that kind of allowed me to make a big decision. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I, actually, I don't think I've ever really talked about uh, why, you know, I have certain pieces of ink, but I think a lot of people, yeah, like what you're saying, you know, you get, you get a tattoo from a trail, from a hike to kind of represent that you completed it and that you spent time out there. And mine are really more about um, kind of the the turning point in my life when I was on that trail and, and what I got out of it. So, no, oh, that's incredible, man. That's awesome. I'm I'm like you on that. I actually have a forearm tattoo that's in Greek, and uh, yeah. it represents my dad when he when he passed away. And uh, I was oh nice. I was a, a worship leader for eleven years, and whenever I played my guitar, that was looking right up at me the whole time. So I could always look at that and remember my dad. So nice, man. I totally yeah, get that. And man. that's what it's all about. Totally. That being said, like I have some friends that just like, they just don themselves with ink because they just love the art. Right. They're oh just, yeah. Like, they're just tattoo fanatics. They don't care what it is. Like if it's filling a space, <laughs> <they're into it. laughs> but you know, for uh, them, it's, it's more of an art gallery, right? Like they just like to yeah, have that art gallery on them. Yeah, totally. You know, we went out to do the AT in 15. Um, and 
And, but I didn't get like the AT tattoo on the back of my calf until, uh, end of 2017. Um, so, you know, it wasn't because I completed the trail. It's just because like that, that trail really, really, really changed my life. Um, so yeah. What's the biggest change that happened? Like whenever, um, you did the AT either while you're on it or like while you're completing it, what, what was that giant turning point? Or if there was like one big takeaway? Oh man, so many takeaways. Um, you know, for me, uh, my wife and I have been married. Uh, I got married when I was 21. Um, I had a, you know, we had a house and, you know, two car garage and we both had careers. I was a machinist, tool and die maker by trade. My wife was a psychologist by trade. Um, I owned a restaurant for eight years. I, I owned a recording studio for a couple of years. So I kind of did the whole American dream thing, right? You have a career I had, I owned, I was an entrepreneur. Um, we were married, but you know, we didn't, we didn't really want kids. So we had this house, we had these jobs and every weekend because I was racing, um, triathlon at the time we were travel on the weekends. So we were basically never home. I was like the last dude to mow my grass. My grass was always crazy high. Cause I just, <laughs> I, I hated awesome. to be honest. Like I hated being a homeowner. I thought like, Oh yeah, owning a home is going to be great. But then like, I'm just, I'm a constantly, I can't stand to sit in one place for too long. Like I like to constantly keep moving, constantly keep doing things, um, and be engaged in things. So doing like the, Oh, it's a Saturday and I'll get up and go buy a bag of mulch and like do some landscaping and mow my grass. That's not, <laughs> that's just not me. Like it's the weekend. Like I need to go hike a hundred miles and then go do a triathlon and then, you know, uh, help a buddy record an album. Like I just, I need to constantly be like doing one thing after another super busy person. Um, just kind of how I'm wired. And, you know, whenever we decided to leave all of that behind, and go hike the trail. Um, I tell people this a lot and I think that it, it sounds weird or, or people might take this the wrong way or, um, I really didn't like people. Um, I was very, you know, Midwestern mentality. Like you, you go to work and it's about you and, and you make money to take care of your family. And people are very like protective of their own in the Midwest. So I was like that too. And, um, I'd kind of lost a little bit of, this sounds awful, but kind of lost a little bit of faith in humanity. You know, I was very kind of jaded. So when we went out to do the AT in 15, it was very much like everybody that goes out to do a long trail to begin with. They're like, I want to go get lost in nature and I want to go find myself and I want to be by myself. And as most people know that have done a long hike, that is damn near impossible. Yeah. No such thing as going out and getting lost by yourself. Right. Um, so, when we went out to the trail, I was a very jaded person. I was a very, um, to myself, didn't really want to talk, communicate with a lot of people, didn't trust a lot of people. And what the trail really did for me is it allowed me to kind of become reborn on the trail as a different person. And I, I connected with people like I never thought that I would. Um, and I came off that trail with a completely different mentality about, you know, it wasn't about me. It was about the community. It was about other people. It was about making connections with other people and sharing things with other people. And it just kind of put my entire life down a path that, I mean, that's what I've been doing for the last five years, doing, trying to do things for other people and trying to share things and create things to give to other people. Um, and it obviously brought out like an artistic side of me that I never thought that I had. I recorded music in the past and 
you know, I used to draw when I was a kid and stuff, but I would never consider myself a, a creator. And the trail really taught me how to create things from my passion and my love for that community and for that trail. So yeah, the AT completely, like I said, I, uh, I'm editing a video right now that'll be coming out. And whenever I, whenever I went out to do the trail this year, um, I, it was like jumping in a time machine and being transported back in time five years ago. I can imagine. And I was able to kind of like relive these memories and, um, there's a small narration in the video and I'll, I'll go ahead and do it here again, uh, or before or whenever this comes up. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'll never forget. We got to Nell's gap, which is about 30, 35 miles into the trail. And it's the first place, the first quote unquote civilization that you come to after you start at Springer. And I remember getting there. It was like, I think day four, or day five, when we got there, it's a huge accomplishment. You walk up to the gap. And that night we spent some time, uh, it was a real rainy night and, and we spent the night at the, the mountain crossings hostel and it was packed all these people, different people from different walks of life. And I had this amazing experience where I connected with all these people and we stayed up all night and, and listened to stories from this, this trail legend named Baltimore Jack. He was there. Um, and when I got up that next morning, when we walked through that tunnel, so the trail actually goes through the building, if, if neither of you are familiar with that. Oh, wow. um, and whenever you, I remember coming out the other side and just feeling reborn, I felt like a different person. I had this totally different mindset. I felt happier. Um, I felt, I just felt like a different person when I came through it. And it's, what's weird is I've, I've thought that for five years, you know, like you have a you experience something and then you kind of create this memory of your head of what it felt like and what it was. And sometimes that's, you know, total crap and you're just <laughs> building up a story in your head. <laughs> um, but what was wild was being back out on trail. Um, when I went through that tunnel again, I got that same feeling. Wow. And I remembered everything about that time when I was at Nell's Gap, sitting at Nell's Gap. And I didn't stay the night. I was just there for a couple hours and I kept cruising. Um, I just kept like feeling all these things and, and remembering. And I went into the, went into the hostel and stood there and just looked at the room where we were all sitting and listened to those stories from Jack and, and then walking through that tunnel again and coming out the other side, just had this like wave of emotion come over me. And um, yeah, man, that, that trail is, is something magical. I think, I think there's a lot of people that go out there to do the ATO really any trail um, can totally change you and it can totally give you a, a completely different outlook on life and, and a, and a perspective for sure. Your story reminds me a lot of uh, frozen from outdoor adventures. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, when he did this last year, he said he probably wasn't going to get a tramley. He was, yeah. he just wanted to be on his own, sure. want to do his own thing by the end. Uh, he, he still, he, you know, he loves his tramley. Like he said, he, he has renewed faith in humanity. You know, it's a lot of it's what you were saying. And uh, yeah, dude, I think it's funny how we can get caught up in our worlds and we can kind of lose a grip on the reality that people are pretty cool. Well, you know what, what happens? And I think a lot of people like I'd never expected this, but what happens when you get out on trail is you have a group of people and like, whether you meet on day one or, you know, two weeks in, whether it's at a hostel or a shelter or a trailhead, you have this group of people standing there and maybe somebody is a kid fresh out of, you know, college um, that has no life experience. Maybe somebody is a retired vet. 
Um, maybe someone is a very successful lawyer that has a lot of money and somebody else maybe just got out of, just got out of prison or something and they, they had a, a bad past. But whenever you get out on trail and you're all experiencing the same thing every day, the highs, the lows, you're hungry together, you're cold together, all of that surface level stuff gets stripped away and people become a really raw, real version of themselves. And then you're able to connect with people on a human level. Like it, it's, it's hard to do that. And like our, our quote unquote, like normal society, right? Cause right. everybody has, you know, different social status and everybody has different families and different cultures and they come from different parts of different towns and um, it's hard to kind of connect with somebody on a human level whenever you have all of these things standing in the way. Like that's just we're human, right? Like that's just kind of how we, kind of how we're wired. It's how we're led to believe. And and so whenever you get out on trail, you strip all that away, and you realize that like he, the human connection aspect of it is what it's all about. Like that is totally what it's all about. Like the hiking's fun, but at the end oh, of yeah. the day, like you know, going up and down mountains and sweating and, and being hungry and, and hurting every day. That, that sucks. Like it's the, people, <laughs> it's the people that makes the trail so good, man. It's, it's those people that you meet. It's those experiences that you have that, that really make it something special. Oh yeah. I totally agree with you on that. And I, I remember, um, it was one of the first things I heard you say. I, before I, I started my first backpacking trip, I heard you say the term embrace the suck. And, the and yeah. uh, man, that has just been something I've had to remember <laughs> all along. I know Jeremiah, you did the long trail and yeah. you said you had to embrace the suck a lot on that trail. Yeah. Cause it's just mud, but I, I can, I can, I see a lot of similarities between like what you were just saying about your experience on the AT and yeah. my first experience ever backpacking because I'd never been backpacking before in my life. Never even heard of it. My father-in-law asked me to go. And he was like, we're going to go for four days. And there's this thing called the Appalachian Trail. And I was like, I don't know, 24, <laughs> 25. And I borrowed all this gear and went. And, you know, the first day was like 10 miles from Fontana Dam to a shelter. And yeah. it's a lot of incline. And I was like, I was in really good shape. And I was like, well, this just kind of sucks. Like walking through the woods, like uh, it's just hard. But then I met other people that were through hiking or section hiking or, you know, they're two or 300 miles in and you're out there on your first trip and the people, that's what made me fall in love with the, the whole backpacking, the idea yeah. of it and the scene of it. It's not experiencing, I mean, part of it's experiencing the, the nature and the different cultures and, you know, all that. But the community that you build around you, meeting people and all different walks of life, like... I don't know. It's just, it changes you. Even if, even if you have that experience for a few days and then now I go back and have it for a month and would love to have it for a through hike, which I mean, a lot of people yeah. aren't into, but I want to know, cause I'm married too. I got, I got married about the same time as you, yeah, yeah. Um, same age. And I want to know, like, did you have to convince your wife to come on board or was she already, I assume you all had a lot of similarities in the kind of things you were doing, like the triathlon and, she probably was a little outdoorsy and stuff too, but how did you get her into the whole scene? And I know y'all spent a you lot know, of time doing stuff. Yeah, it was actually the opposite, man. It's, I think that this always like shocks people when I tell them, um, doing the AT was her idea. It wasn't my idea at all. I didn't know um, that at all. Wow. Yeah. Dropped the wow. Yeah, so, so we have, um, we've been 
married now for 13 years and we were, uh, we've known each other since preschool. So um, we go way back. We, we were best friends um, in high school. We dated as friends in high school. She didn't want to date me because I was kind of a bad kid in high school. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I played in a, a punk rock band, so you can kind of create your own story. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, what was the name of the band, was, by the way? Uh, wow. Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, the band was called Goodwillin'. Nice. Uh, like like going to the Goodwill. Like yeah. Good wow. um, yeah, that was the name of the band. And then I was in a band before yeah. that called Murphy's Hawk. Nice. Um, it's always good. Yeah, names. man. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and you know, she was a little bit of a goody goody back in back in high school, but we were we were really good friends. So we would go on like these friend dates, um, and not to like go too far back or whatever. But whenever we got married, um, we I always wanted to travel. Like I've never been a big person that has really liked, I'm just just kind of classic, like cliche Midwest kid. Like, you know, I want to leave my hometown. I don't want to be there. I want to go travel the world. And for years I wanted to travel, uh, do some European backpacking. Like I wanted to go to Europe and backpack around Europe for like a year. Um, and when I was back in, when I was a kid, you know, I did the same Midwestern thing. I was in scouts and we went hiking and backpacking and I grew up in the woods. Like I spent a lot of time in the woods. And when I grew up and got a little bit older, going through middle school and high school, I kind of fell out of love with hiking and backpacking because I was more into music, more into all those other recreational things that you do whenever you're into, into bands. (laughs) Um, and, um, Whenever we had been married for a few years, um, I found out that she had never went camping. She had never stayed in a tent before. Uh, she grew up in a family that just like they didn't camp. They didn't go out and do things like that. So early on, like I, I would take her camping. We'd go car camping and she loved it. And then, you know, one year on our anniversary, we went, I took her kayaking Um she was really mad about it because she didn't like the idea of kayaking. So I surprised her with it. She was, oh yeah, she was, she was mad. <laughs> she was really mad. Great surprise. But, yeah, <laughs> but fell in love with it. And then that kind of became our thing. And then as we, you know, the longer we were married, uh, we had bought this house. And then I decided that I wanted to get back into backpacking, um, something I had done when I was a kid. So we decided to, uh, get some gear and we started kind of going on backpacking trips. And then one of the places that we, we would go quite a bit was actually Red River Gorge. Um, oh, our neck of the in, woods. In, yeah, man. In Eastern Kentucky. So I grew up about, um, I'd say it was probably about a three and a half hour drive to Red River. Um, like a straight shot going down 64. Is it 64? Yeah, yep. 64. Yeah. yeah. Man, down to the mountain good. parkway. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we drive from Evansville and go through Louisville, um, and then kind of shoot down right before you got to Lexington and go to red river. Um, and we really started falling in love with it. And that's what we spent a lot of our time doing. And can over I the ask, years, can I ask you a question about your red river totally. Gorge experience? Yeah. 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 What did you put on your pizza at McGill's? <laughs> mm, hell of a question. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, a lot of times I would just get a little bit of whatever they kind of had going on, but they had this, I remember, I don't remember what all we got on it, but I do remember them having this, this pizza that they put black beans on. Really? Um, yeah, they did this black bean pizza and like it was black beans and spinach and onions. And at the time 
uh, we were going down there a lot. I was a vegetarian. So uh, anytime that I could get like pizza with like really bizarre toppings on it, like that's totally <laughs> what I would always go for. Nice. <laughs> nice. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, the whole time that we were, we were married. God, I love Miguel's. I would love Miguel's. <laughs> um, I was somewhere not too long ago. Where was I at? Oh, I was in Phoenix, Arizona. And I was coming out of a brewery. Um, I have some buddies that own a brewery down there. And coming out of the brewery and there was a, like this uh, element. I, I don't know who makes that. Honda? Some, Honda. Okay. I'm not, I'm not a car person. I, I drive a big van. Like as long as I can store a bunch of crap in it and live in it, like that's all I care about. There you go. Um, there was some like Honda element parked outside and I walked past the back of it to get to my van and I stopped and I had to take a double look and there was a damn Miguel sticker on oh, the back why? of the window. That's oh great. yeah. That's like, great. you know, with the, the little, the, the face with yeah. the mustache and like the flowing hair. Yeah. I oh, know exactly yeah. what was, you're talking about. It, it was great. <laughs> well, I will tell um, you this. I will tell you this, that you have an open invitation whenever you're in the Kentucky area. I know three yeah. guys here in Kentucky who will take you out for a weekend backpacking and you will get steaks the first night and we'll eat Miguel's the <laughs> yep. next day. So steaks the first night, that's pretty well, heavy duty. Huh? We're hardcore when we go out, man. <laughs> like nice. it's steaks and potatoes, man. We're, we're, we're going to eat high class when we go out. <laughs> nice. Um, so I might take you up on that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the whole time we were married, I, I constantly wanted to travel more, uh, for a while I wanted to move to Chicago. Um, it was right before we bought a house. I was like, Hey, let's move to Chicago. Cause we used to go up to Chi town a lot. Uh, at one time we were going to move to Louisville, Kentucky. At one time we were going to move to, to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, and she just, she was, she's more of a family person and I've never been a big family person. Um, never really been that connected to my family. So I always wanted to go and get out of town. And, you know, after a while I just kind of settled into, you know what? Like we got a house, we do things on weekends, we have hobbies. Like this is okay. I'm okay with this. And I got a career and I was a machinist and tool and die maker. And I settled into it. I kind of, it, it sounds terrible, but I swallowed the pill. I was just like, you know what? Like, I think this is okay. Like I'll stay in my hometown and I got things that I'd like to do and we can travel on weekends. Let's buy a house. And like, I'm going to be a, you know, a family man, uh, as it were. And then one day, man, like out of the blue, my wife's like, Hey, you know what? I kind of don't want to do this anymore. You want to sell everything and go hike the AT? <laughs> what a question. <laughs> yeah, right? And I'm like, uh, what? And she's like, I just think that it's a good idea. And then after she said that, I was just, you know, I wasn't going to question. I'm like, yep, let's do it. 100%. Let's go. Because I wanted all those years to like just go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that it, so it was all her idea. It was 100% her idea. We had watched this documentary called Trek that was made in, I think, 2001 about these four guys to go to hike the AT. Um, we had a friend that had suggested that we watched it and cause they had seen it, they'd rented it from the library or something and we grabbed it and then just watched that documentary and just, I, I remember it ending and just like, just being melted, just being like, Oh my God, like, this is what we got to do. Like 100%. That's and it was just from, from there forward, it was selling everything that we owned. It was saving up money. It was getting rid of our house and it was going. And Did uh, yeah, it's, now? No, <laughs> I would never buy a house again. <laughs> so I, like some of your videos where you're not shooting outside. I'm like, if he doesn't have a house, where's he shooting that at? Yeah. So, um, this, this past July, um, you know, we've been traveling for, 
we went out to do the AT. We got off the AT. We moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, where we had a little bitty apartment for a while. Um, and then we would kind of go back and forth. We'd have an apartment, then we'd live out of our van. We'd go back to an apartment, we'd live out of our van. And then for the past almost three years, we've been kind of full-time travelers. Like we've, we live out of our van about half the year. And then we have some friends, uh, we did have, they just recently moved that lived out in Joshua tree, California. Um, so we'd spend like, you know, uh, Christmas with them. Like we'd spend a month with them living at their place. Um, and we'd travel for a month and we'd come back and, and spend some more time with them. And then this July, since I spent this last year, all of 2019, working on a, a documentary film, um, I needed just kind of more space to spread out because living in a van and like, you know, making YouTube videos and editing those videos in a coffee shop. Because, you know, a lot of if you're living out of a van, you got to utilize coffee shops. Right, and stuff. right. Um, yeah, editing like a YouTube video is like hard enough, like trying to find good Wi-Fi and do it all out of a coffee shop. But editing like a 40 minute film um, that takes a lot of power. Like I needed a bigger machine, bigger hard drives, because uh, we're dealing with a lot of footage. Yeah. Um, you know, I needed just more space. And I think that uh, my wife was kind of ready for, just to kind of have a little bit of a break for a while since we've been traveling so long. So we actually moved to Flagstaff, Arizona, which we've spent, we've kind of lived here for the past three years. There's a lot of BLM land around here. So a lot of times we'll live up in on the BLM, on the dispersed camping. And then we just utilize town and then we go back to kind of living for free off the land. Um, so we just decided to kind of get a little place. I was originally going to just rent an office space to edit the film. And we ended up being like, well, you know, for the same price that we can rent an office space for me to do that at and live in the van, we can rent basically a little bitty apartment and I can we can do the same thing and we can occasionally sleep in it. So, um, so yeah, so we've been doing that since July. So question for you. I'm, I've always been curious of this. Uh, you do a lot of traveling. You do a lot of these trails. Yeah. What does Snuggles do when you're on these trails? Yeah, I was that's a good question. That too. I get that. I get that question a lot. Um, so she, it, it kind of depends on the trail. Um, so <laughs> on on the PCT, when I was doing the PCT, um, she basically took that time. So she's a writer, um, and wow. she had been wanting to kind of write. She had this concept for a book about travel. Um, and she wanted to do that. So the whole time I was on the PCT, she was basically, uh, living out of the van and traveling up and down the West coast, visiting a lot of, um, old, like roadside attractions and weird, like off the beaten path places. There's a, there's a website called At Atlas Obscura. Have you guys ever heard of that? No, but I'm going to look it up while we're talking about it here. <laughs> yeah, she sounds really independent. She is. Um, and she, like she loves super obscure, weird things. Like, you know, the world's largest ball of twine or like <laughs> an old ghost town or somebody that like rebuilt uh, New York city out of toothpicks, you know, something like that. Like she loves crap like that. So she basically, the whole time I was on the PCT, her and my dog um, traveled up and down the West coast. And every once in a while, like about maybe once sometimes twice a month, uh, we'd meet up. And instead of me having a box sent to me or something, she'd kind of come meet up. So Kennedy oh, Meadows, nice. which is a big spot for a lot of PCT hikers. It's where you ship your bear can and your ice axe and stuff like that. Cause it's before you go into the Sierra. She just, we have a friend that lives not too far from Kennedy Meadows, uh, down in, in Yokern, California. So she spent some time with them and then she just like drove me up my, my 
bear can. I took a zero and got to hang out with her. So it was a cool experience to kind of get to see her every once in a while since she didn't want to hike. You know, we did the whole AT together, but she didn't, she's kind of a one and done. She, she wanted to do that hike and she doesn't really have any interest in doing any other long distance hiking. She loves backpacking and hiking, but just doesn't want to go out there for that long anymore. Um, because, uh, as I'm sure, you know, Jeremy, like whenever you get into it, like through hiking and, backpacking are two totally separate things. Like, as you said, like backpacking, you know, you take out stakes and you, you take your time and you you have a good time. But whenever you're through hiking, it's about, it becomes about the miles. It becomes like a job. Like, well, I can either be out here for four months or I can be out here for six months. And, uh, you know, the longer you're out there, the harder it gets to stay out there because it just starts to wear on you. It just kind of starts to become like a job. And she just doesn't have that side of it anymore. Uh, me, I'm a hardcore masochist. So um, <laughs> the farther I get into a hike, the more I typically enjoy it and like getting myself beat up every day by the trail. Um, and then when I was on the Arizona trail this past year and during production of the film, she actually went back to our hometown in Evansville and uh, spent some time with her family that she hadn't seen in a while and got kind of a small uh, side job. Um, so yeah, so typically for the past five years, I guess really the last three years, you know, we spend about half the year together and then we spend half the year kind of separate and kind of do our own thing. And then we kind of come back together and spend the rest of the year together. So you guys must have a pretty strong marriage because that, that'd be really hard for a lot of couples to pull that off. Yeah, man. A lot of people ask that. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, like, like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just kind of <laughs> what we do. Like we don't even think about it. It's just like, okay, well, you know, when, when I shut out to the AT, um, a few weeks ago, um, I was basically leaving for the AT and I wasn't going to be, we weren't going to see each other again until June because, um, and we were only going to see each other for like two weeks because I was supposed to go be on the AT for two months. And then I was going to be going down to Peru, uh, in May to shoot a short film. I was going to get back from that, have about two weeks off. And then I'd be flying out to Canada to start my through heck of the great divide trail and then the Colorado trail. So, but like, it was just normal. Yeah. It was just normal. It's almost like being in the military, isn't it? I mean, seriously, it's kind of, it's kind of what reminds me (laughs) of a lot of military friends and it's kind of the same thing there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just normal to us. It's like, okay, well it's hiking season. Like it's, I'm going to take off and you're going to do your thing. And you know, we spend the fall and the winter together and and yeah, it's just kind of how we, I don't know. It's just kind of how we work. Um, it's, it's weird. I, I don't really put a lot of thought into it. I don't know if she, I, hopefully she doesn't put as much thought into it either. <laughs> I was curious about that because whenever I went to Vermont, you know, that was like right at a month. And yeah. the I, the hardest part was, to me wasn't the physical part. And yeah. I met all these amazing friends who I'm actually hanging out with later this year. And yeah. the hardest part was like being away from the people I love. And like there's no intimacy at all. Like you can't even – you can't hug your wife. And that was really right. hard on me emotionally. And, uh, I was like, I don't think like, unless my wife is with me, I don't think that I could spend more than three or four weeks. Cause it's so just for our relationship, it just feels so hard. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like the thing that I've, I've really kind of come to do is I, I talk to her a lot when I'm out on trail. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I call her a lot when I'm on trail or like if there's a tough day that I'm having or something that I think's funny. Like I'll just randomly give her a call. Most times she doesn't <laughs> want to talk to me because she's doing her own thing. <laughs> she's like, I don't care. I know the trail's hard. That's why I didn't go and do it. 
<laughs> That's great. Um, Smart girl. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> way smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> but uh. But yeah, that's just kind of how we've always, it's kind of how we've always functioned. And, and we, I guess we've made it work to this point. So, See, we're, that's so cool. We're talking about doing the Camino de Santiago. Yeah. And, um, you know, doing, I, we haven't picked a route, but doing that together, because it, it, it's yeah. quite a bit different than the AT. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. I don't know what to do with the dogs. We have two dogs, and what it, it is there ever a point where you all can't take your dog? Like you said, it travels with you, but yeah. So, so whenever we did the AT, um, my, our dog stayed with, uh, my mother-in-law. So she lived with my mother-in-law the whole time we were doing the AT. And then whenever we travel together, um, she used to be with us all the time. Um, and then, you know, whenever I'm usually on the trail because my wife is, not into doing long distance hiking anymore. She just kind of travels, travels with our dog. Um, but in 2018, and it sounds really sad when I say it, um, in 2018, uh, we, we retired her. So, um, I know. Yeah. I was waiting for that. <laughs> um, and trust me, like nobody says all oh, more than I am. She, oh, I can she's imagine. like, she's my best friend. So it, it's really hard for me not to have her around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Big black lab. We've had her since like she was small enough to fit in my hand. So like she's, oh yeah, like super connected to that dog. Um, we ended up retiring her when we got when I got done with the PCT. Um, just because she's getting older. Um, yeah. she's we've had her as long as we've been married. So she's about thirteen, and she's just you know lab started having like hip problems and stuff, and it was getting harder for her to get up and get up into the van and get out and. Also, like she's starting to become an old lady, just grouchy. Like we'd, <laughs> she used to be cool. Like you know, we'd go do something, and like we'd we'd keep the van on for her, and she'd hang out in the van and open all the windows, and she would just like be a big lazy lab and like lounge. And then like later on in her travels, like she would just sit there and just like bark at everybody that walked past and start getting really like territorial and stuff. And we we're just like, oh, all wow. right, like she's she's ready to just relax and and not you know be so hustle and bustle. So we, she actually now lives with, um, with my, my mother-in-law in in Indiana, which sucks, man, because I was gonna, I I was really excited because I haven't seen her in a while. I was going to get done with the AT, go to Peru. And then I was basically going to fly from Peru back to my hometown in Evansville and see her for a while. I was going to go hang out with her for a week. And now we have all this stuff going on. I don't know if I'm going to get to see her in in May. So, um, yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> that is a bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah. Well, on a non-bummer note, um, yeah. talk to us a little bit about this movie, man. Um, oh, yeah. Let us let us know a little bit about what's going on with that. And I, I know that it, it's a it's kind of a passion project of yours, and uh, something you did to help the the uh, AZT out a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. Seems like he's drawn yeah. to Arizona, even though you're Midwest, like born well, and raised. It, you know, I'm I'm drawn to um, if I don't know if you guys have watched the film, but it's for me it's it's more about public lands. So I'm a really big I don't I don't typically like share my my hardcore personal beliefs or opinions or anything, but I'm a very big defender of public lands. Um, I'm a part of a lot of different associations. Um, I, I I donate a lot of money to uh, the National Park foundation and the national forest service and BLM and different trail associations. And I just, I think that 
you know, as a people, especially people that are into the outdoor and community and people that love backpacking and hiking, riding their bikes, climbing, um, we have this amazing thing that we've kind of given ourselves, this amazing gift that we've put aside for ourselves as a nation and to protect and preserve public lands so we can all continue to use them, whether that's something like the Appalachian Trail that is public lands to, um, you know, uh, you have Red River Gorge, right? Public lands. Right. You, all this space out in the West that is all this public lands that we've set aside and said, you can't build here. You can't develop this. This is for us to enjoy and um, and for future generations to enjoy. So that was a big turning point for me um, over the last couple of years is I really wanted to – I've never been about you know having the whole YouTube channel and stuff – a was a total mistake. Like I never meant to have a YouTube channel. I never meant to, uh, be a second rate Kmart celebrity. Like that was never my, <laughs> that was never my intention. I've never heard of that. <laughs> um, uh, you're you know, definitely I'm, more like Walmart than Kmart, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, you know, I, you could have said target like, <laughs> okay, we'll give you target. We'll give you target. Uh, so, you know, that's, ne- that's never been my, my, my goal, it's never been my gain. Like I don't care to be quote unquote popular and I don't care to, to, to make a to money or that's just not why I started doing it. I started doing it because I really love the community and I really wanted to do something to give back. I couldn't, at the time I couldn't be, I couldn't be near a trail. I couldn't be near the AT when we got off. So I couldn't do trail magic. I couldn't open a hostel. I couldn't do shuttles. I couldn't give back to the trail. Like I think that everybody that usually does a hike when they get off, they kind of have this sense of like, I feel like I need to, to give back to this thing. that's given me so much. So doing the YouTube videos um, was kind of my little chintzy way of like giving back because one of the things that helped me out a lot before I got out on the 18 and 15 were watching uh, a couple people's videos. So at the time there was only like, three people making like, uh, through hiking YouTube content. There was a guy named loner, um, really old videos. I, I think he hiked in like 2012, um, loner on the AT. He's like the first vlogger I think I've ever seen. Um, you had Joe Brewer who is now backcountry banter. Yep. Um, and you had first time I ever found out about uh, Cuban fiber before it was DCF was, uh, was Joe. Um, and then you had Redbeard. Oh yeah. Redbeard. And he just got done with his AT hike. And that's the first time I had seen like, you know, what we all have now come to know. And what we all do is like guy sitting in front of the camera, like, you know, a bust shot of on up and him holding a piece of gear and talking about it. You're talking head backpacking YouTube video, right? Like that was Will, like to me, Will created that. That's (laughs) awesome. So, um, when I got off the trail, I was like, Oh, I can do that. I can turn on a camera and talk about it. And and maybe like my recommendation or maybe my, um, just talking about something that worked for me, maybe that'll help somebody else make a decision. Cause it definitely helped me. So that's why I started doing it because I felt like it was a way that I could somehow give back. And that's always been my goal. Well, over the past couple of years, I mean, everything happened and things blew up and I'm, uh, it, I guess got a big channel and um, most people know who I am, which is still really weird for me. When I, go out. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, well, because I mean, you guys know, like you, you create things in a vacuum, right? Like I'm, it's just me. Like I shoot a video, yeah. I edit the video, I put the video up. So like I'm my only audience. 
And I don't realize that there's that many people that are on the other side that are watching it. And once you make something, you put it out and you never look at it again. Like, that's it. You're done. Um, so I, when I go, I out, think it's like that for all, all YouTubers. I think exactly. even, oh, even yeah, the, totally. a smaller channels, like I remember the first time I put a video out and, um, I, I remember like 22 people watched it and I was yeah. over the moon. I was like, wow, 22 people actually yeah, watched like, something this? that I did, you know? And I was just like so yeah, excited yeah. at the time. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're right. It's just, we, we do all this stuff and we're totally. excited about it because we care about it. And it matters to us, yeah, yeah. but then we don't even realize there are other people that are just waiting for this to come out. You know, they're, totally. they've subscribed to your channel. They're, they're sitting there and they see that little thumbnail pop up on their screen and they get excited. And yeah, it's wacky, man. That's just crazy. <laughs> the whole thing's just crazy. So, you know, over the past couple of years, like when everything really blew up and like took off, um, I went through, and I, I feel like I've told this a couple of times lately and it's something that I didn't share for a long time and it wasn't in my videos. I went through like this weird identity crisis on the PCT halfway through you know, from the start of the PCT to about halfway through, I was getting stopped every day by like 10, 15 people that wanted to talk to me about my videos and wanted they're like, Hey, you remember that one video you made? I'm like, no, they wanted to like, you know, take a photo or talk about my hike. And I couldn't wrap my brain around that because I hadn't really been out on a trail that had a lot of people on it that would even know who I was before I went out to do the PCT. So it was strange to me. And then I started kind of going through this identity crisis of like, okay, well, did I do this because I wanted to get back? Did I do this because I wanted to become some sort of weird celebrity that I now feel like? Am, am I doing this, you know, for me? Is it for other people? Is it for money? And I kind of battled with it for a while and I thought a lot about it. And originally I was going to go hike the CDT and get my quote unquote triple crown, right? right. Um, and then I started thinking about that and I started thinking about like, well, if I do that, that's for me. And it's because people want to see me do it. Like, that's what you do. And people want to watch that. And they want to watch me make videos of that. And if I'm doing it because of that, is that the right reasons or is that the wrong reasons? And then I started thinking about, no, I, I, I'm doing this because I want to inspire people and I want to share my passion for what I love. And one of the things that I've never really taken the opportunity to really talk about, aside from like very subliminally putting a a Smokey the Bear tattoo and a national park emblem tattoo on my leg for everyone to see. I am a love, a huge supporter and lover of public lands. So I started thinking about, well, how can I use this weird soapbox that people have given me? Um, how can I take it and turn it around instead of it being about me? How can I take those people and, you know, direct their attention to something else that's more important than me. That's more important than my hike. That's more important than the backpack that I'm using. And that's where I started thinking about like, I want to shoot a film and I want to shoot a film about protecting and preserving and loving public lands. And since 2016, I had been in love with the Arizona trail. I went out there in 2016 to bike pack it. Um, when I was on the trail, it gave me a huge gift. When I was on the trail, I'd kind of fallen out of love with hiking. I'd got done with the AT, didn't really want to pursue much hiking. Had the YouTube channel really small. Nobody was really watching my stuff. And when I was in the canyon, so whenever you cross the canyon when you're bikepacking, you have two options. You can break the bike down, you can put it on your back, and you can walk down and back up the canyon, which is miserable. <laughs> or you can take it and have it 
shuttled around and then you can hike the rim to rim by foot. I was like, well, you know, I've always wanted to hike in the Grand Canyon. I might never get a chance to do this again. So I paid to have my bike shuttled around and I hiked. That was the first time that I had hiked since I got off the AT. Um, Cause I was just all in, all in on bikes. Like my YouTube channel was almost like, I was trying to turn it into a bike packing YouTube channel. I remember seeing you, guys, you say that one time. Yeah. 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 You guys would have never seen any of my videos. Like we wouldn't be having this conversation if that would have worked <laughs> out. <laughs> um, and if, if not for the Arizona trail. And when I was on the trail and I was walking through the bottom of the Canyon, I fell back in love with hiking. I fell back in love with the trail. And it's where I started getting the idea and making the commitment. I was like, you know what? When I get off of this trail, I'm going to go back to Albuquerque. I'm going to buy a camera. I'm going to buy a mic. That's worth it. Like at the time I just had like a GoPro, I was going to buy a nice camera and I'm going to commit to making a YouTube video every Thursday because that's, I just, I want to give back. I want to be more connected to the trail. That's what I care about. And I ended up twisting my leg and tearing my meniscus in my right knee as I was coming up the Canyon, um, to the other side, I had to get off the trail. I had to cut my ride short. And when I got back to Albuquerque, I took the money that I had saved for the rest of my trip. I bought that camera. I bought the mic. I committed to making a video every Thursday and then everything happened. Everything took off. Wow. And like, I feel like the Arizona trail gave that to me. Like that's where I discovered that, you know, the, on the AT, I was reborn as a person. And it, it made me discover my love for people and love for community and love for the trail. And then when I was on the Arizona trail, it made me fall in love with being a creator, a content creator and giving something back and making that my sole mission. So when I was on the PCT and I had this identity crisis and I had this thought of wanting to do something, the Arizona trails, what popped into my head, I was like, I want to shoot a film about the trail because Arizona is massive. Like most of Arizona is BLM, tons of public land in Arizona and the trail cuts through like, it, you know, it is public land. It cuts through public land. It is a part of public land. It goes through two national parks. It goes through multiple national forests, wilderness areas. It is a perfect representation of what it means to have pride as an American or as someone that lives in this country. If you're not into the whole like, patriotic thing, which I'm not, um, <laughs> about being proud that we made a decision to set aside these public lands and that we make a decision to, you know, pay our taxes, well, we have to pay our taxes, pay our taxes, and that goes to protecting these places. So I was like, Arizona Trail is perfect, absolutely perfect. So I'm just going to go out and I'm going to shoot a film about this trail and try to make, try to turn the concept of the film, not really about the trail, but if you've seen the film, you'll know what's coming out of it. The trail plays a part in it, like the trail's a character, but the film's really about the trail, like the universal trail right the people right. it's about it's about the connections it's about protecting it giving back to it and making sure that it's still there so we can continue to enjoy it um so yeah man that's that's where the whole idea of the film came out of that's that's what i spent my entire last year doing and it was it was great because i got to turn that camera around that's been pointed on me for five years and i got to tell another story i got to tell the story of the land of the people of the community um, and it was a really beautiful thing for me and I got a lot out of it and it's kind of led me down this path that I want to go on now and where I'm going with the things that I'm doing to make that my mission to take, I don't want to, you know, I don't, it's not about me. It, it's, it's about everybody. It's about all of us. Um, 
and that's kind of my my goal it's kind of my big mission yeah that's pretty awesome man like i would def- i would definitely say that one thing i've gotten out of your videos from day 1 has always been that you you have a passion for for hikers it's not yeah, it's man. not just a passion for the trail but it's a passion for hikers and the people that are involved yeah. in it and that is so much fun to watch and it makes your it really it really does connect people with your videos and connects people with what you're trying to communicate. I hope so, man. That's, that's always the goal. You know, sometimes you get kind of carried away with the whole, like, you know, cause people will leave comments and stuff and people will say things like, Oh, you're so awesome. You're a badass hiker and stuff like that. And that, <laughs> that ain't me like that. I'm the first person to discredit myself. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, but I'm not like, trust me. I know a lot of other hikers that are much cooler than I am. Um, that have a lot more miles and have done amazing things. Like, I always want it to be about the connection with people and, and creating things for each other, inspiring each other and educating each other. Um, because that's when you're out on trail, that's what the trail is all about. Like that's how it is on trail. Like everybody supports each other. Everybody lifts each other up and, you know, everybody talks about gear and, and, you know, people give people recommendations and that's just how it is. And that's how I've always wanted to kind of create my own little world online. It's kind of the same thing. Where do people, um, they download the video. I mean, they download the, uh, the documentary to tell everybody where they can get access to yeah. it so they can enjoy it. Yeah. So quick caveat, um, before I started the film, I knew that like, this is kind of the sad reality of being a creator, whether you're a musician, a painter, people want to see you make the thing that they're familiar with. Right. So yeah. it, everybody has a, a favorite band. Right. And usually people are like, well, I love this era of this band, but I don't like their later years because they're, they, they started doing different stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. Everybody's like that. Well, me personally, I'm a big audiophile. I've always been into music. Um, I'm not that way. That's actually a big pet peeve of mine. When I hear people say that, it kind of like makes my skin crawl a little bit because I personally like, let's take Neil Young, for example. Right. Amazing. You know, it, very well known Neil Young. I'm more interested um, and just as interested in what Neil Young's making today and the statements he's making today and the music he's playing today and the music and statements and stuff that he made back in the sixties. Like I'm invested in him as a creator, as a musician, and I love anything that he does. And as an artist, you don't want to be confined to one area. You want to move outside of that. You want to explore new things and try new things, um, whether it's music or art or video. Well, one thing, a pill that most of us have to swallow is, why do people subscribe to my channel and watch my stuff? Well, they want to watch me hold up a backpack and talk about it and move my eyebrows around and throw my hands around. And I, <laughs> they love that. Right, eyebrow. Right? Yeah, yeah. But that's what people want to watch. And, and I, I like, I'm super like, um, I think that's amazing. Like it, it's still like, it flatters me very much that people care. Um, or they want to watch me walk past a camera and hold up the camera and talk about my day on the trail. So, you know, over the years I've dabbled with other things. I've, I've made little videos where there wasn't much of me talking. It was mainly visuals and music. Um, I put out some Scotland videos last year that a lot of people didn't like because I didn't really talk in them at all. Oh, I love those videos. I'll just be oh, honest thanks, with man. you. I actually love those videos. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I you. watched like yours. Guy. yours and pl- <laughs> I watched yours and plug it in. Like you two are the two oh, guys right I watched, man. Those were great. Nice. Um, so I knew that if I was going to do this film that, you know, YouTube wasn't going to be an option. It, it wasn't going to be, I didn't want to put it on YouTube. 
Um, because even if I put it up on YouTube, like people wouldn't be interested in it because people want to see me. Like that's why they're invested in the channel. They want to see me talk about me and the things that I'm doing. So, uh, last year before we started production on the film, uh, I launched a media company and a website called outdoor evolution, um, which is the outdoor evolution.com. And I wanted to put the film out under outdoor evolution. So after I got done with the film. Um, and I gave it to the Arizona trail association, which is, I'll go into in a second, what I mean by that. Um, I wanted it to have a life after it just being about me and being me. And plus, if you guys have seen it, I'm only in the film for maybe eh, 15 seconds. Um, <laughs> and here and there, like there's a piece of B roll of me walking past the camera, but it's not about me. So, uh, the film is available on the outdoor There's a little tab up in the corner that says films, and then you can go there and download it. And right now we're, we only have it on Vimeo. Um, so when we released it, you know, a lot of people will release a film on Amazon and iTunes and all of those. Well, Amazon takes a 50% cut of everything that you sell. Uh, wow. Video. Wow. Yeah, it's insane, That's right? Crazy. iTunes takes a 60% cut and they have all these crazy stipulations of kind of uh, these standards that the film has to be held up to. Yeah. But Vimeo is a creator-based um, platform. So it was created by filmmakers for filmmakers to basically put theirs up. So Vimeo only takes 10% for hosting and downloading and everything. Yeah. Um, and the whole point of the film and why it's not just sitting on YouTube for free for everyone to watch is the point of the film was to raise money for public lands and to raise money for the association. Um, so 50% of every single download uh, goes to the Arizona Trail Association. And then this is funny. I had to say this the other day on something because I think a lot of people are like, well, where's the other 50% go in your pocket? <laughs> like, no, actually, I'm not taking a penny from it. Um, 10% goes to Vimeo. Uh, there's like a 5% transaction fee. And then the rest of it, like what, what is that, 35%? Yeah. Um, is actually going, uh, it's been set up from day one to go into an account uh, that's going to fund the next film project that I'm starting at the end of this year. Nice. So um, Very good idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's a long way of saying it is available on the outdoor evolution, <laughs> um, dot com. And the, the whole, what I said earlier with it having a life after me is the whole idea for the film was every time that we did a showing, when we premiered it, we gave a hundred percent of the proceeds to the association. Every download, we wanted to get 50% of the, the, the funds to the association and then I want to do that for a year. And then after that year is up, so basically next February, uh, I'm going to give the film to the association as a gift to do what they want with it. Um, oh, that's great. A hundred percent. Yeah. So whether they want to keep it as it is and just take a hundred percent of the proceeds, whether they want to take it and use it for educational purposes or use it for ar archival, or they want to put it on Amazon or, or whatever they want to do with it, it'll, it'll be theirs. So very cool. Um, well, I know yeah, I bought yeah. it. I bought it a week ago, two weeks ago, something like that. All right on. Um, is there a way to donate more so that the association gets more? Yeah, I mean, go to the Arizona Trail Association's website and yes. uh, just send in a donation. Absolutely, yeah. Don't give it to me because then they'll have to do transaction fees and all that yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, very yeah, cool. Take it straight to the association. Yeah, man. You know, again, like I just think that I. 
the trail has done a lot for me over the last five years. It's given me some amazing gifts, both physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, and if there's something I can do to, you know, I constantly tell people, I feel like I have this like debt that I have to repay to the trail, um, for everything it's done for me. And again, when I say trail, I'm not talking about the Arizona trail. I'm talking about the trail, the universal spiritual trail, the community. Um, so yeah, if there's anything I can ever do to give back to the trail, that's, that's kind of my whole goal. That's my whole purpose in life right now. I'm that's glad awesome. you gave us the long answer because I was really curious on, cause I do YouTube as well. Yeah. People don't understand if you want, you know, a production value that hits a certain level, it takes yeah. a lot of work, a lot of forethought and a lot of like work after work, just production wise. And I was curious yeah. on the YouTube versus the film because producing film is completely different than producing a YouTube video. That's going to last eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of work, man. Um, you know, we ended up shooting over a year. Um, and the whole point of the film was to be kind of a community project. So, uh, you know, number one, when I, when I went to go start production of the film, when I kind of came up with the idea before I went any step further, I got a hold of the association. I'm like, Hey, you guys don't know me. Um, I've been a member for a couple of years, um, of the association. My name's Darwin. I have a YouTube channel and I just want to let you know that uh, starting in February, I'm going to come out and I want to shoot a film about the Arizona trail, its history, the communities. Um, and I hope that you guys will support it. Um, I would love to have you guys be a part of it, like basically have your name attached to it. And regardless, if you want to or not, if you want to set up interviews with me or not, um, just know that like my whole plan is to give 50, you know, to get 50% of every, every penny that's made off of it to you guys um, for a year. And then I just want to give the film to you just as a gift. I just want to donate it to you. Um, and obviously, you know, like the, Matt Nelson, the, uh, the director of the association who's in the film um, sent me an email back and he's like, absolutely. <laughs> it's um, not like they're going to say no to that one. Are they? Yeah. And, and, and what was cool is, you know, I was able to do that, get them on board first. Then I reached out to some cottage companies uh, that we're all familiar with um, companies that I've, you know, been uh, a customer of over the years and gear that I've used over the years. Cause a lot of the cottage companies out there, they are part of this community. You know, they, they're, they're small companies that are started by hikers that are making gear for hikers. So, you know, obviously making a film and spending time traveling and shooting interviews and gear and editing and all that, it costs money. It's not just like, you know, I mean, as you guys know, shooting a YouTube video costs money, yeah, but right. making something bigger costs quite a bit more money. So, um, I was totally 100% okay with funding everything out of my own pocket because I really wanted to do it. But I decided like, oh, well, I'll reach out to some of these companies and see if they want to jump on, throw a couple bucks to it and help this be a thing. And I was lucky enough to have some amazing people, uh, some amazing companies step onto the project as well um, and support it and help fund it. And then I wanted to work with other through hikers. So I ended up working with two other through hikers that are media creators um, in the community. Uh, one is Nemore. Um, Nemore came out and traveled with me uh, for two weeks and we shot a bunch of the interviews. Um, and then we were supposed to hike together. He ended up getting injured and had to get off the trail. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then from that point till about mm, December, 
Uh, I worked on everything solo. Uh, that was all me uh, basically working with the association. And uh, then towards the end, I brought in uh, another um, creator through hacker named Panda um, that has some really amazing PCT through hacker. He is really good. Yeah. Panda is really good. Uh, yeah. I randomly met Panda last year in July and had made a really great connection with him. We became really good friends and he was just kind of looking at getting his hands dirty and working on something. And I'm like, Hey man, like if you're into it, like I need a second eye and I need a hand in the editing process. If you want to jump in and help me edit some stuff. So uh, I was lucky enough to bring him on and we, we kind of, we shot some stuff together, uh, all the Grand Canyon stuff, Panda shot. And that's got a funny story behind it. I had to wait until December to shoot anything in the Canyon. Oh, wow. Which was a nightmare. Yeah. They, they were really stingy about giving me a filming permit. Um, they didn't want to give me one. I had to pull a lot of strings. I spent an entire year from February to December trying to get a permit and being told no constantly. Really? What's the deal? Yeah. Um, well for 2019, uh, so the canyon is one of the most uh, overcrowded national parks in the country. Sure, yeah, I could um, So for 2019, they basically decided that they weren't going to issue any uh, video or photography commercial permits to anybody, no matter what it was, whether it was a film, whether it was whatever it was, um, to try to – their whole thought was, <clears throat> well, if we give you a permit and you show the Grand Canyon, it's going to bring more visitors to the park. And my argument was like, bro, like – Nobody's going to watch my video and be like, what is this? What is this Grand Canyon that you speak of? I must go see that. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> so, you know, whatever. I, I have immense respect for the parks. Um, and I, I was very adamant about that. I did not want to film the canyon, which is the crown jewel of that trail. Like, it is the most amazing part of the trail is the Grand Canyon. And, you know, you can't make a film about the Arizona Trail in the Southwest and not put the Grand Canyon in it. Right. So it was getting to a point where I was really biting my nails because I was like, I'm not going to go illegally shoot it. A, I don't need the lawsuit. B, I have too much respect for the canyon. Um, and I was starting to think, well, I might have to use stock footage. Like I might have to buy some stock footage that someone else has shot, use that in the film, which I really don't want to do. I want it to all be shot by me. Yeah. Um, and I, f I got lucky enough that, uh, an amazing sweetheart. And I hope she's listening to this. Her name's Wendy, Wendy Lutz. Um, she is a big part of the Arizona trust association. She had somebody that worked for the park service that owed her a favor. Um, and she pulled some strings and we got a filming permit for only two days. <laughs> um, wow. basically we had to hike into the Canyon, hike back out in less than 24 hours. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's all that footage came out of that one hike. Me and Panda covered all of that. All of those, all of those shots came from that one hike. <laughs> Did you get everything you um, needed? Yeah, I mean, what well, we actually had more. Um, so, you know, we, we ended up using about 60% of the footage that I shot all year in the film. And then the other 40% kind of still sits on a drive um, just because it didn't fit into the story. But <clears throat> so anyways, brought Panda on and then... Um, and then, yeah, it, it was just a really great community project to be able to do something and, and kind of incorporate every aspect of the trail, like the association that maintains the trail, the hikers that hike the trail, the companies that make gear for the hikers to hike the trail. So it was a really great project to be able to do and to see how it came out. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of work and kind of answering your original question of like how it was to edit it 
compared to doing a YouTube video, uh, quite a bit more, <laughs> yeah. you know, definitely a lot more hard drive space, um, a lot more building a story, um, and, and kind of doing that side of it versus just me talking to a camera or me, you know, narrating something. It was really figuring out how to take other people's stories and their experiences and their passion to create one main story to tell a film. So that's really where the challenge of editing any film comes in is trying to build that story and to keep people interested and to keep it flowing. And yeah, it was, it was, it was quite a bit of work. That's awesome. Yeah. How many gigs of storage did you take up? Um, I think here I'll take, uh, I think that we had, uh, eight, eight terabytes. I was going to say had to be terabytes. <laughs> yes. had to be terabytes. <laughs> yeah. I think it was about eight, um, is what we overall had. So I shot some of the stuff. Most of the stuff was shot on uh run and gun handheld stuff. Um, but I did shoot some of the interviews and some of the footage in the film was shot on a, uh, cinema camera. So, uh, a lot of that was raw, like six K footage. And that wow. stuff just takes up a that's monster massive. amount of room. Yeah, that's yeah. massive. You're well, talking like like two minutes of like two minutes of video for like you know two hundred gigs, like a insane. lot, a lot of storage. Yeah, <laughs> those are massive, massive files. So so we're gonna start wrapping this up. But um, yeah, man. But the thing I want to ask you real quick before we do that. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people right now who have had to come off the trail, obviously, because of yeah. of everything going on with COVID-19 and, and all totally. of that. What's some encouragement you would give them? I didn't want to spend the whole time talking about that. I think we'd all agreed we didn't yeah, want to yeah, do yeah. that. But how can you yeah, encourage yeah. people that lost their jobs so that they could go do this or sold everything they had so they could hike this long trail and they get maybe a few weeks into it and they're already off trail? How do you encourage them right now in the midst of all this? You know, man, that's the hard thing. And when it comes down to it, everybody has to make that personal decision for themselves, um, whether to stay or whether to get off the trail. And when I was out on trail, you know, obviously the reasons I got off the trail, I was only on trail for technically seven and a half days, eight days total, if you really want to be particular about it. Um, the reason I got off the trail wasn't because, you know, I'll be 100% honest, it was not because I thought that I myself was in danger. It's not because I thought that um, I was going to endanger anybody because I really wasn't thinking about it at that point. Um, it was mainly because the trail association who maintains, protects, um, and preserves the trail so we can all go and hike it, so we can all enjoy it, so we can all gallivant and live our dream for you know four to six months or a couple weeks or a weekend. They were asking to respect the trail to respect the communities and to get off the trail. So that's why I got off because I have immense respect for this community. And I also understand that whenever you're out on a trail like that, you're constantly in contact with people. Like whether you really realize it or not, like you're going to a trailhead where there's other people, you're communicating and being around other hikers. And then you're popping down into these small towns that don't have big, you know, health infrastructures to be able to, if something were to happen and this massive virus is to outbreak, which, you know, as we've seen, it has, um, these small towns can really only, they only have the infrastructure to take care of their community and can't afford to have, you know, a hundred, 200 stinky, nasty hikers that all also have something that they have to have something to take care of. So that was the main reason for me. And I, 
and the thing that I also understand, because I've seen, as I'm sure you guys have seen this crazy divide in the hiking community right now, a lot of people on two sides, um, a lot of people shaming other people and, and right. getting irate with other people and not understanding the whole situation because it's hard when you're sitting at home and you're getting all this information coming in constantly to you, like you're, you're up, up to date, like on the second it comes in when you're on trail, you know, some days you don't have service to see that information constantly come in. Some days you just don't want service and you're more in tune with the trail and you're out there experiencing it and you're not thinking about the quote unquote outside world. So then whenever you flip your phone on and there's a bunch of people getting irate and mad and stuff, you go on defense. And especially whenever you've done something like what you mentioned, you've, you've, you know, got rid of everything that you've owned. You've maybe come here from another country. Um, to spend six months and you had to get a visa and you've, you've quit your job and you've put your life on hold to come do this thing that you've, you've dreamed of doing. And the idea of getting off trail is insane. Like it, it's just, it's the absolute last thing. Like no way are you going to get off trail? Soul crushing. Like soul crushing for people. Absolutely. It, it just, it destroys you. And I know more than most people, I had to get off the trail in 2015 1600 miles into my hike like not just two weeks not not a couple hundred miles 1600 miles in and that was Lyme's disease right it was a it was three things I got I got Lyme's disease or a form of Lyme's disease called elikiosis Uh, I got treated for that as soon as I got on the trail I cracked a tooth in half in my mouth and I had to get off the trail to get that pulled because oh. I was just going to be like, pull it and I'll keep hiking. Like I was going to hike with like <laughs> gauze and stuff in my mouth because I mean, because that's how it is. And I understand that side of it. Like there's nothing that's going to take you off this trail, especially not 1600 miles in. Right. And then while we were waiting to have my tooth extracted, um, we found out that my wife's uh, grandmother was passing away and she only had a few days to live. And we had made a pact with each other that the only thing that would really take us off the trail is if a loved one was to pass away and it was happening. So we decided to get off trail and it destroyed me, man. Like I'll never, I will never forget driving from Massachusetts, great Barrington, Massachusetts to Evansville, Indiana in a rental car. Um, and the feeling like we never talked. Me and my wife were totally quiet in the car. We didn't play music. It's just both in our own head. And like, the awful feeling that I felt and how crushed I was and how just it it took everything out of me emotionally. And I know that feeling. I understand that feeling, but in the end, the trail is always going to be there. Like the trail will wait for you. And if you had to wait five years to go do the hike, what's waiting a couple more months or another year. If you, you know, sold all of your stuff. And this is one thing that I think a lot of people aren't, understanding and i don't mean this negatively i don't mean it to be uh vindictive or anything if you got rid of all your stuff and you put a bunch of money into savings to go do this thing like what was your plan when you got off the trail right you might just have to do that now like but the whole thing is right now as a community we need to support each other we need to respect each other and we need to make sure that we can all continue to go back out there and enjoy those places and those places right now need us to not be there as much as we want to be selfish and we want it to be about us and we want to be out there and enjoying it and loving it and living our dreams. It's not about us. It's about the communities. It's about 
other people. It's kind of, you know, coming full circle with our conversation here. Right. It's what I learned in 2015. It's about the other people. And if you're, if you're putting those other people's lives at risk, if you're putting your hike at risk, if you're putting yourself at risk, it's just the wrong reason. And even though it sucks, like it's just the thing. Sometimes we got to embrace the suck. We got to yes, swallow our pride. Exactly. And we, and we got to do it. And I had to do it just like everybody else for a second time. Like I had to, had to get off the AT for a second time, five years later. Um, so, Gosh. but I understand like it's what, it's what the trail needed me to do. And I, I hope that anyone that's listening to this, that maybe is still out there, maybe still plans on being headstrong and going out to start their hike in two weeks to think about that side of it. I think there's a lot of new hikers that go out that have not had that turning experience yet. They haven't realized that it's about other people and it's about having respect for the trail. And it's about standing up for something and practicing what you preach. And those people are thinking in a bit of a selfish light and there's nothing wrong with that. If you go out there to hike for yourself, that's amazing and you should do it. But it's, it's not what the whole, it's not what the, the big picture is all about. It's, a, it's about the trail. It's about the communities. It's about each other. And on the reverse side of that, man, people have got to stop shaming people that aren't out there and don't understand and don't have that frame of reference because they don't know what that feels like. They don't understand what that's like right now. Um, And it's confusing. It's especially confusing whenever you have trail angels and trail towns and companies like encouraging hikers to stay out there being like, no, just keep going. And then you have all these people online that are saying like, get, you know, get off the trail. You're doing the wrong thing. It's super confusing and <laughs> you have no clue what you're supposed to do. Right. Um, right. So I, I just hope everyone's mindful of that on both sides of it. Like people understand that, that it's not an easy thing to do either way of the you know coin that you're on either side of the coin that you're on um, is hard. And I hope that everyone does the right thing. I hope everyone stays safe. I hope everyone protects, respects and loves each other through this crazy time. Um, I'm worried that the hiking community is not going to be the same after all this. Yeah. I'm worried that, that the trail is not going to be the same. And that, that really, that saddens me because I've invested so much in it over the last five years. Um, and yeah, it, it's a big worry that I have right now that we're not going to come out of this the same. Well, I think, I think we all kind of feel that way with just about everything right now. It yeah. seems like the the way we interact with people has probably changed forever. Um, yeah. the, the, perimeters we set up for ourselves are probably going to stay bigger um, just because this is going to become normal after a few months. And how do you, how do you change that normal? And so so that's going to be hard. I do think that one of the, uh, the positive things that's coming out of this is that with everybody not traveling as much, everybody not hiking as much, um, the earth's getting a chance to heal a little bit. I don't know if you've seen the reports out of California where the smog levels have gone down and, yeah, that's a really amazing thing, too. And on kind of the more like at home, you know, home front side of it, if we're talking about the community, I've watched hiking community that I know that exists on trail between hikers. I've seen that flourish into online now. Yeah, um, I, I, did a, I did a live Instagram thing yesterday and I got a hold of a hiker named Jupiter that I'm good friends with. Um uh, a hiker um, named Tip Tap that made some really great, amazing PCT videos. Yeah, a hiker that. Einstein. Yeah, and we all sit and did this live thing together, and we supported each other, and we inspired each other. And I've watched a community that I've always known to just be on trail because 
you know, once everybody gets off trail, you go back to your normal life and you're doing your own thing. You just, you're not as connected with people. People have become so connected online now. It's almost insane. Like, yeah, we've had this big dividing side of it where people are like in this dividing thing in the community, but I've also seen the community get closer off of the trail which I think is a really amazing side effect of it. Like that happened to us yesterday. That That actually happened to us yesterday. We were, uh, there were some, some backpackers. I'm, I'm trying to get some backpackers together to do a video together. And we were, we were chatting about it online. And one of the girls in our chat room accidentally started a video chat and we all just joined it. (laughs) Yeah. And the next thing you know, there's seven of us all just sitting here talking and having a great time. And it was the best mistake ever. And it was because we're all longing for connection right now. And, because we're all stuck at home, we're not getting it as much as we'd like. And so it's, it actually is bringing people together in a way. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's weird. It's like a double-edged sword. It's like, it's dividing some people and it's connecting other people that have never been connected before. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing. So hopefully my hope, and I'm trying to stay optimistic about it, that because people got closer online because of all this, trying to support each other, people postponing their hikes, that hopefully that will translate and it will, it will let the hiking community be stronger Yeah, and it will make us be connected. And I think that that's, that's the important takeaway from it. That is the truth, man. Well, we really appreciate you being on the podcast, man. This has been awesome. This has been awesome. Thanks for having. Yeah, this is, this has been a lot of fun for us. Uh, We've been looking forward to this ever since uh, you and I started emailing back and forth and yeah. uh, we may have to get you back on here again at some point. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to do it. I was going to say, I think there's about a dozen other questions I'd love to ask you <laughs> yeah. to get on here. So, but I think we're running out of time. So, right on. but uh, thanks for being on here, man. Uh, I can't wait for people to hear this and, and to hear your story because I think your story is fascinating. Just from the days back in Evansville to where you are now, that's just fascinating. Yeah. And it's been, it's yeah, been it's great wild. to hear about that. So, yeah, man. Well, for the Backpacking Podcast, I want to thank you all for listening. I'm JK. As always, I got my good buddy Jeremiah, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Adios.